Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Hello and welcome to the latest Word podcast. I'm David Hepworth. He's, I'm Mark Ellen. And I'm, he's... Uh, I'm Rob Fitzpatrick. And uh, the podcast brought to you by the, the, the world's finest music and entertainment magazine. If you want to know any more about it, wordmagazine.co.uk. Uh, but this is a, a, a special, swiftly convened po- podcast dedicated to one subject. Yes. Now, normally we used to waste our time in the old days of old media just sitting and having conversations in the office about things that had happened over the weekend or things people had seen or whatever. But now we put that to greater use, can't we? You can all join in. It's a game we can all play. We can all join in. And and this one, we're calling it the one-two cast. And the reason for that is, we're going to start with my story, okay? I went on Saturday night to see uh, The Feeling and The Fray at the place that they used to call Hammersmith Odeon. And in my head, they still do call it Hammersmith Odeon. Isn't, you're not yeah, a Hammersmith Apollo person. No. Good. I haven't made the conversion. Well, last time you went to the Hammersmith Odeon, were the seats in there or not? No, this is a new thing. Uh, which There are f- no fills seats. Me full of alarm. There are no <laughs> seats. They've all come out from downstairs. What are you looking at? I'm just looking at my diary. Oh, right. My diary's <laughs> open on the desk. I suddenly thought I was going to be doing something this week. Carry on. <laughs> and anyway, but the reason I wanted to raise the subject of the feeling is they did something at the beginning of their act before they came on that I've never seen before. And, and it made me think about the whole business of how bands actually announce their presence on stage. You know, we're beginning. And what the feeling did, and I thought this was so clever, was that they had a huge sheet which was right down the front of the stage, on which, for five minutes before they came on, they projected YouTube footage of their fans from all over the world lip-syncing to or playing that's songs. a great idea. Yeah. Which is an absolute... And presumably, the other uh, MySpace uh, um, common trait now, which is people sitting alone in attics with acoustic guitars doing their own version of oh, yeah. their They songs. had that. Oh, they, had a, they had a couple of guys with their acoustic guitars doing, doing one of those Rosie. songs. They <laughs> had, they had uh, you know, 
Ten-year-old boys, you know, sort of crammed into, almost into a phone box, you know, heads together, singing along. They had small children who'd obviously been overexposed to the Feelings album, you know, mm. sitting there at their uh, at their high chair, banging their spoon in filled, front. Filled full of, uh, you know, artificial colourant. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Revved up. But I just thought, this is such a good thing, because it creates such a wonderful connection between the band and the audience, you know what I mean? That it's celebrating fandom. And it's taking what people are doing on YouTube and just putting it up there and making it, it part of the show. Could we call it user-generated content? I think we are might. Are we allowed to use that in a podcast? It sounds pretty sexy. Is that you, <laughs> UGC, I think. UGC. And, uh, but anyway, I had never seen, I'd rarely seen such a clever way of announcing one's uh, arrival on stage. And it made me think about that whole area of how bands get on stage and what happens in the first few minutes. And how often it's mishandled. But also, I think it's a key thing that if a group, if a group starts to show, uh, you know, hits the ground running like that, then already the whole, the, the bar has been raised, hasn't it, in terms of theatre. And mostly, certainly it's rather a British trade, as opposed to American trade, groups are quite happy to come shambling on, arsing around, and by the third number they've kind of got the sound right, and by the fourth, fifth number they've got they're in tune. You see, know. does that but still go on? I think that's old-fashioned. Yeah, it is like, very old-fashioned. That's the 70s, isn't it? When people used to come on in the dark, yeah. bumping into each other, bumping yeah. into each and each other. probably tripping, tripping over, over leads and things yeah. like that. And, and taking ages to get up to speed. Yeah, I like the idea that people just, just come in, you know, and it's, it's already in motion. Well, this, is, this struck me, it's probably going back to the 60s, if anything, this kind of stuff. Because it struck me, thinking about the package tours of the 60s, mm. what was the device that they had to get them on stage, Rob? Ooh, you don't ooh, know because you were a child. Oh, 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 MC. They had a compare, didn't they? Yes. They'd have Des O'Connor or... Yeah. Tarby, maybe? Tarby, possibly. <laughs> if they were lucky and they could afford Fresh to... Fresh the golf course. They'd Tarby have, in a pair of Tarby They'd have trousers. both Mike and Bernie Winters <laughs> coming on, and they're saying, you know, that was the Nashville teens. And while and a bunch of guys... This is Russell of paper, reading name off paper. That's right, yeah. This is the... No, they'd tell a load of gags, wouldn't they? Was, oh, yeah. So while the roadies were behind the curtain... Setting up for the Applejacks. Absolutely. <laughs> they would be reeling off a bunch of terrible kind of seaside landlady yeah. jokes for the... Uh, oh, well, this is, I'll tell you, well. the world expert is on this one. is Robert Plant. Because Robert Plant is very young now. I think he's only about 58 now. But he started out... No, that's young, Dave. Yeah, you okay. Know, All right, fine. I don't know what you're laughing at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, when he started when he was 15. And he was on the kind of, you know, the, the working men's club circuit, wasn't he? And the, 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 Black country, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he used to go on after there'd be a bloke with a canary doing a <laughs> guy retrieving doves from you know, the inside of his sleeve, uh, somebody doing card tricks, which is apparently extremely poor, actually, isn't it? Just card tricks isn't going to work, really, not really, yeah, not, not uh, in a big, yeah, theater. somebody juggling plates and things, big spinning plates, and then the Robert Plant band, whatever they were called, the Honey Drippers, yeah, what they called <laughs> well, I can't remember, his oh, yeah, yeah. and then they got another comedian, and I love that idea. There was, it was a kind of it was like a package, it, you know, it was, it was a family entertainment show, was it like Sunday Night with the Lady? Now, I remember when this changed, and this was when the birds first came over to the UK, and this would be 1965 and 1966, and oh, they had yeah. two really big hits, uh, uh, what were Turn, Turn, Turn and uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah. And they went and appeared at like the Scotch of St. James and various <laughs> places like that where yeah. people did. And they got rotten reviews. And do you know why they got rotten reviews? Because they did something that nobody in Britain had ever seen anybody do before. They tuned up on stage. Yeah. Oh, right. They walked out. That's twelve room. strings as well. So it's, <laughs> a of, it's a lot of tuning, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> for ages. And nobody could believe it because the Beatles had never tuned up. You well, know, they mind, didn't they? 
I heard that rumour. I don't believe so. <laughs> they just kind of bashed their way through it, didn't they? And didn't they, really. It didn't. It wasn't not like tuned up, tuning up, was it? Because no, no, nobody could hear it anyway. No. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's the beginning of that whole thing that led to in the seventies, guys wandering on stage in the dark and you know yeah. and taking ages to communicate yeah. with each other. Uh, but anyway, so I was just interested in uh, in, in what were our experiences All of, right, the, well, of, of the great entrance. I raise you talking about taking ages to communicate with the audience. I raise you the mighty quintessence of the Guildford Civic Hall, probably in 1972. I know, I can see, Dave, uh, uh, listeners, Dave's face, a little pinched picture of envy now, because he's wishing he'd been in the Guildford Civic Hall, singing, I hope no members of Quintessence are listening, because they really were absolutely rotten. And, uh, yeah, we went along, and they started with this, literally straight out of the spinal tap, I suppose most students are. They started with a load of dry ice, but they obviously didn't know quite how to turn the dry ice off. So it started out, I was about, whatever I would be, I suppose, 16 and of course, the sight of dry house in those days was absolutely thrilling. That's my phone ringing. Yeah. It's all right, let it yeah. ring. Let it ring. Oh, whatever you do with it. That's yeah. And, uh, yeah, the sight of dry house alone was it, it's just so exciting. I can remember thinking whether or not it, was, it might be bad for me to breathe yeah. in, actually. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, no, that's how young I was. So you young know. and so health conscious. So health conscious. <laughs> that's right. did, it, did it occur to you that you might have got, you know, a bit high from Well, yeah, we'd drop banana skins on the Rob, way. Rob, could you do that noise again? Get high. <laughs> yeah. That's how I wanted to feel. Yeah. But so, no, Quintessa's <laughs> brilliant. On they came with their awful flute player in a sort of, uh, oh, it's not so shocking, I can't bear to think about it. And very soon they started to disappear. And then the dry ice just kept on pumping to the point where it was richly comic. I mean, you just, That's nobody funny. could see anybody. It was just blind panic. So they Some were, of the because but by this stage, Quintessence, they weren't exactly uh, virtuosos anyway, couldn't see their own fretboards. It mm. was all starting to sound a little bit loose, you know. So that's a, that was a slow start. Yeah. So what about you, Rob? For a slow one? Yeah, well, whatever. One of the Great entrances you have known. One memorable of the, ones. One of the worst entrances I've ever seen is actually from one of my most favourite bands of all time, uh, a band called Red House Painters. And the oh, first yeah. time they came to London... Uh, from I, where? From uh, San Francisco. OK. I and I'd love them very dearly. Pre-internet. Pre-internet. Uh, I had no idea what they looked like. What they anything like that? Didn't have no idea about them. And they were playing just around the corner, actually. What used to be the powerhouse? Okay. You know what's now, you know, Carphone Warehouse or something. Probably now <laughs> the, the Rat and Parrot, the, the Rat and Murderer. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they and sort of, you know they were first on. We were all a bit excited, going you know all six of us in the audience going, "This great new band are going to come on." And then these sort of four blokes from one corner of the room each just sort of shambled across the floor, pushing their hair back behind their ears, and just sort of got up and went, "Yeah." And they're just like that. <laughs> and actually leaning against the bar. Actually, not like, yeah, they were actually the leaning against the bar. And like that. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of wandered on and then played really quietly. And also, they played nothing that anybody had heard. They had an album coming out for AD, but they didn't play anything from that. They only played stuff from the stuff they were going to do after that, which is a good see, example of what they were like as a. You see, I, just, I think they deserve to be pelted with rotten fruit. Yeah. and run out of town on a rail yeah. because they're misunderstanding the fundamental transaction that's going on in entertainment. Audience down there yeah. wish to enjoy themselves, yeah. wish to have taste. some sense of occasion, yeah. don't they? What is drama, it about bands? You guys have both been in bands. Yes. What is it about bands that makes them do this kind of, oh, we're not really in show business thing, <laughs> of, you know, just kind of wandering on and, uh, you know, you can catch up with us when you feel like it. Kind of I, th- I think it's probably because you're, you're sort of riven by, by sort of, you know, deep insecurity. I so, think it's deep insecurity. Well, uh, yeah, I think okay, it, go on. It, oh, it's deep insecurity, and I think it also, it, obviously, if your whole concept, and there were whole musical movements, in fact, based on this, if your concept is to be shambolic and to be mm. a bit rubbish and a bit crap... 
then obviously, uh, you know, you've set the bar so low that if you do turn up and manage to stumble through three or four songs and remember the choruses and things, then people are, they feel they've had a night's, a night's entertainment and got the value for money. But yeah. it just depends whether you're, you know, on one side you're, I don't know, uh, who's the worst offender on the shoegazing front? Uh, Rob, you'd probably help me. You know, House of Love. House of Love's well, quite a good example, yeah. actually. Oh, how we miss all these names. Okay, well, slow dive, slow dive. I, I, slow think dive. I remember seeing Slow Dive, and they had a singer called Rachel. Rachel, the lovely Rachel Rachel Cosmo. And her idea of stagecraft was to just to turn up wearing a, an enormous jumper that must have been. Bo- belong to a kind of student boyfriend. You know those yeah, girls yeah. at that stage of their lives when yeah. they're wearing their boyfriend's clothes. Yeah, you know yeah. So the big old jump with the arms hanging down. And she sort of Still swayed very slightly, yeah. didn't she, from left to right. But yeah. when they got about three-quarters away through the set, there was, there was a tiny bit of movement. Um, yeah, in a sort of Jackie McShee mode, actually, wasn't yeah. it? You know? At least, uh, to, to be fair to Rachel, at least she was actually standing up. She was Jackie standing up. Was, Jackie was yeah. sitting down, of course. Yeah. Jackie yeah. never moved. So if you've got that kind of, you've got, you've got slow dive at one end of the spectrum, and then you've got uh, you know Bruce Springsteen and the, and the Pete Seeger Sessions band yes. at the other, so mm, yeah. it's just in pure theatre, you know. But I mean, I, I can think of a, a very small scales. I can remember being very excited seeing Supergrass once coming on stage wearing masks, just little yeah. things like that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they were kind of, I can't remember the masks. Were you there? Was it Glastonbury? Was it monkeys? No. They're monkey masks, I think. Not me. And uh, it's just little things like that that already get you off on a different foot. You've got to, um, you see, because... I'm a great believer. Neil Tennant has the theory that with a rock show, the best bit is the beginning. Mm. Isn't that true? Well, it's, it should be the same for uh, television and cinema and, and, and albums. You know that you, so, you open with the with the what do they call it? Is it the portal? What is it's an expression that's in the portal. It's the hallway. Yeah. You know, if you don't like the look of the hallway, you're not coming out of the house. You know what I mean? Right. You've got to throw everything into it. Which ties in with this quote of Oscar Hammerstein that I heard recently, where he said to Stephen Sondheim. Give them a good opening number and they'll forgive you anything. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. And, and you know, know, Broadway, Broadway show is carried yeah, yeah, by its, its opening yeah. number. Opening number gets you to half time. Yeah. Yeah. I went to a wonderful concert the other day that we wrote about it in, in Word, actually. It was uh, the group Arcade Fire played this uh, wonderful old church mm. called St. John's in Westminster. And uh, it was just such a clever idea, because it was a clever idea to play it anyway. Uh, the context of this group in this church was exciting enough as it was. But they suddenly emerged from the congregation. They had, they had crept into the congregation with their acoustic instruments, oh, right. started banging an old military drum. Oh. And then you suddenly saw, where everyone's everyone looking around? Where's this noise actually coming from? Is this meant to be part of the show? There's that lovely element of, kind of confusion and surprise. And then you saw the top of a string bass, and someone was obviously moving at exactly the same rhythm as they must be playing it. And then you discovered, even more exciting, that they're actually not playing an arcade fire song. They're playing a song called Guns of Brixton by yeah. The Clash. Yeah. But playing them uh, sort of on sort of instruments that would have been taken to, uh, you know, the Battle of Gettysburg right. in, uh, in 1862. So, oh, and you're in a church, so already you're thinking, hey, they've really uh, they've moved it around. But you a bit, just want it? to think you're that engaged, they, you know. You want to feel that they've treated it as being something a bit special yeah. themselves, don't you? You want but to think that they're putting the not, effort in. They're not just banging through it again one more time. So, riddle me this. If you were on your way to a gig tonight and you thought you were going to get, for some reason you were delayed, you thought you were going to get there 20 minutes late, would you go? Because I wouldn't. Uh, no, I probably would, actually. But um, I hate... It just depends who it is. Well, all right. It kind of depends Assuming it's somebody you wanted to go and see rather than somebody you were being forced to see out of duty. Uh, oh, no, I'd still go. Yeah. Still you see, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been to see Bruce Springsteen hundreds of times. Mm. I cannot imagine getting in there twenty minutes. Oh no, that would be. I heartbreak. just could not do it. Yeah. I'd feel I'd missed the beginning of the of the novel. You know, yeah. had, had you missed uh, 
Dave, who I know this looks like, because I'm about to talk about one of your all-time favourite groups. Had he missed the first 20 minutes of the Pink Floyd at Earl's Court, just reading the, yeah, well, the right. expression, deal with Pink Floyd, the mask of pain. <laughs> and they played a show at Earl's Court in 1980, The Wall. And I can remember, uh, obviously, I'm a little bit more impressionable, possibly than that, but I can remember being enthralled by the beginning of that. Because they were on the slide, actually, by yeah. then. You know, people like, who liked the Pink Floyd in the very early days of Sid and thought the dark side of the moon was a bit of a sellout and wished it was still echoes and metal and all that. Pretty, pretty they, profitable slide. Oh, very, very profitable. No, I'm talking about the snobbish attitudes yeah, okay. you have when you're a teenager. You know. And they came on, and I'm sort of quite far back at Earl's Court, which is a 16,000 seater venue in London. And, uh, and on come the group. And I'm looking at thinking, oh, they look terrific. And they played, I don't know, something's not right. And then, of course, all four members of the group were not the group. There was a guy called Snowy White playing oh, the yeah. part of David Gilmore. He was absolutely identical. He was a kind of handsome character mm. with big, long, lanky, centre-parted hair playing exactly the same guitar style. And uh, it was wonderful. And then somehow, I can't remember, I think somebody took the bricks out of the wall and got a little bit conceptual, yeah, Dave. There yeah, might yeah, be some like, politics yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it meant. <laughs> I don't know, mate. I had four yeah. pints of lager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and stepping through the wall came the boots of you know, Roger Waters, who then displaced the mm. Roger Waters alike. Uh, gave him his enormous uh, Gregory pack and said, turn up tomorrow night. I made, a, I, made a, I made a, a related mistake uh, back in the 70s. I took my good lady wife uh, to see a J.J. Cale. I think I only came to the UK once. I was at that show. It was a Hammersmith Odeon. Was it a Odeon? Okay, well, don't... Right. I don't know if you have the same response exactly as that. Say and uh, and basically, you know, there was no preamble it being J.J. Cale. Yeah. You can't have a booming voice saying, ladies and gentlemen, from Oklahoma. It's not going to happen, is it? It just, curtains open, and there's the disease. There's six guys sitting down. Yeah. Going, like, Call me the breeze. You know, they're just chugling along. And now they're just playing this instrumental, or an endless intro. And my wife leans over to me and says, which one's J.J. Cale? what my wife said to me. And I said... <laughs> which one's pink? And I, I said, the lights were so low, I said, he's not on yet. <laughs> Thinking J.J. Cale's going to wander oh, yeah. on. And how you ridiculous know. did yeah. you look? And because, then as soon as the words have got out of my mouth, the figure fifth from the left suddenly leans towards the microphone and goes, they call me the breeze. He's been there all the time. Yeah, blue and you know, Which I think is missing... A great opportunity yeah. because you have to tell the audience, you have to give them permission to love you, don't I'm, you? You have to mm, say, yeah. "Here I am, and this is why you're here." I, and they want to applaud, don't they? They want to unload. That's why James yeah, Brown yeah, did yeah. all oh, that yeah, mad that business yeah. about yeah. hardest working man in show business, Mister. Please, please, please. No, I, I'm building very, up the I'm audience. very keen on hierarchy. I'm not very keen on democracies. You know? No, uh, it's obviously a democracy, but. Uh, you know, Rob and I went to a concert the other night and Brett Anderson, formerly of the Suede, mm. and uh, there was a tiny bit of theatre with that too. They all tripped on in the dark, and then last, on came Brett. Absolutely theatrical, proper pop star. You've Pirouetted, like sort of, uh, mm. you know, like David Bowie in, in <laughs> 1975. Took a little bow, you know, and then uh, threw a few shades. You see, because I, I just think it's really important that they've thought about it. Because well, I, I watch bands where I think, I know what's going to go wrong here. He's going to come on, yeah, he's yeah, going to distract yeah. the audience, it's going to be wrong. I'm wondering, and, 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 and sure enough, they do it like that, because they haven't thought about it. I'm wondering whether, you haven't, you haven't said that about J.J. Cale, whether there's a whole fresh new uh, subject line to this conversation, which is bands that have only come to England once that you've seen and that were really great. Because I went to see, in 1989, the very tremendous N.W.A. Right. Original, oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant, at Brixton Academy. And it was, Which was the only time they played? I think it was, as far as I'm aware, the only time they yeah. ever played in England. And they were tremendous. Well, the, 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 the brilliant, the, they started off and it was... Let me guess, had, was the, there was a police had, siren. Yeah, police siren, <laughs> helicopters, <laughs> stage was all covered in yellow tape. 
It was, oh my God, it was amazing. And then, the, you know, four, four blokes jumped on, five blokes jumped on, uh, identically dressed, hats, glasses, everything. And the rest of the concert was a bit rubbish because it was just very loud back in But you can still remember that, though. But yeah, yeah, but, but they, were, they, were, they were amazing. It was amazing. I wonder if there's... Uh, so, so the beginning was all of it. The beginning, yeah. If you could have seen so the first ten minutes and then so gone it's, home. It's a strong argument for the return of the package tour, isn't it? Where I think everybody so. did 15 minutes. Yeah, I think... Nobody can get boring in 15 minutes. No, if you can, you're really bad, yeah. don't you? I just thought a key element you, you left out of J.J. Cale's story, because not only was he disguised as just a member of the group, he was also wearing a baseball cap. Do you remember? He could sit. sitting down. Oh, well, that's yeah. what I said. They're, they're, all, they're all sitting down. They're, they're, they're all sitting down, and it was so dark, you couldn't make it out at all. You see the baseball cap, he was only lit by the, the, the glowing ember of, of a cigarette. And you go home album. and people say, who did you go and yeah. see? I say, I didn't see anybody. Didn't see anybody. Yeah, anybody. No, there are a yeah. bunch of blokes. I heard a J.J. Kale record. Yeah. And I let road his mind. But uh, going back to your package tour thing, I do remember going to see uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, custom that Bob Dylan invented about four or five years ago, which was that he, he sort of, in a tremendous kind of um, pastiche and homage to the kind of package tour, he now takes the stage introduced by a voice, a sort of real announcer's voice. It's says something like, um, you know, something, I can't remember, it starts off with something like, uh, um, you know, the folk prophet who uh, changed politics in the 1960s or something. And a little bit, and then Can it runs through to, yeah, go on. It's as if, because I've been to one of these shows, yes. it's as if somebody from Time Life Books mm. Mm. has written a script <laughs> yeah. for a long-form TV ad where mm. they're going to yeah, sell you book. an yeah. embossed box <laughs> yeah. of all the Bob yeah. Dylan records. Yeah. And, but he ends with, exactly, he has a little bit of a, a ra- rambling, yeah. sort of, uh, again, terribly ironic, sort of, uh, kitsch, sort of, uh, a resume of his CV, and it ends, it ends with, please welcome to the stage, with his band, Columbia Records performing <laughs> artist, Mr. Bob Dylan. <laughs> and he's just thinking, oh, I don't know, who's the joke on me or yeah. him? or what? We're all in this together, aren't we? This is great. Mr. Bob, and actually, people do really applaud Well, yeah, of course they do. What they're actually saying is, clap now. Sorry, yeah, I just yeah, bang yeah. the table. <laughs> clap now. Give me no, no people that's that's that bit, isn't it? I think yeah. clap now is an instruction which can say. never be overplayed. No, I, I agree with you. In popular music, yeah. it's very yeah. important. Have I told you my OMD story? There's a group. Oh, no, go on. There's a group who were not uh, never, that never that much at home on the boards, I was felt. They were not the kind of, uh, not the Hank Williamses and Johnny Cashs of, of their particular genre. No, absolutely true. I saw them at the Victoria Palace once, at their height, you know, where they had loads of hits. Mm-hmm. And, but they weren't very used to playing live. And they were behind the curtain, and the house lights went down, and you can hear them kind of noodling, and the drummer falling over his kit, and all that stuff, you know. And uh, and everybody in the in the audience is ready because the audience as soon as house lights yeah. go down the audience go whoa because yeah. the audience can't keep whoa yeah. going <laughs> yeah, endlessly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. they rely on you to arrive yeah. just as the woe reaches its yeah. crest doesn't it well, of course it doesn't so the, the woe dies <laughs> and then they try after a while again and they go whoa yeah. they're still not on and, and then it, they're starting to get a bit fed yeah. up I mean not really cross but mildly miffed they feel that they've been used, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, and they start doing a mild, slow hand clap. Yeah. And it is very mild. I like it when yeah. people start doing that. I like the yes. stomp. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they start doing this. And eventually, the curtains open to reveal OMD. And the first words Andy McCloskey says is, all right. No. And I thought, You're no, a, this no, is no, a man no, who has no. a misunderstanding of the relationship You're between, joke. I am not... I am not exaggerating yeah. one oh, word. That's just <laughs> that, that's, it's, it wasn't their fault, it's your it's fault. It's your yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. You've come all this way yeah. and uh, money. pay a large amount of yeah. cash and it's right in my pocket. That's appalling. <laughs> so, what's, what I'll have been the great you know, I'll give you an, an, an opposite of that on the smaller scale about announcing uh, 
the, the, the performer. I went to see uh, a guy called Peter Blegvan, who coincidentally, in fact, does a wonderful cartoon for Word, State of the Art, every month. Mm. And Blegvan is supporting Loud Wainwright. It was the sweetest opening to any little gig I've seen. And they're playing in a church in North London. And everybody knows who Loud is. But Blegs is a bit worried that um, they don't know who he is. So he goes on stage, you know, and steps up to the central microphone on his own with no instruments. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Loud and Wainwright tour. Thanks for coming out tonight. I'd like to uh, like to introduce you now, please, to our support act, Mr. Peter Blakeback. <laughs> he walks off stage, walks straight back on again with the guitar. <laughs> 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 He's trying to play. But that's a good thing. It was lovely because everyone felt so warm. You see, just so it, people, people who play folk clubs, they're masters at doing oh, that yeah, kind of thing, totally. aren't they? Yeah. Because it's part Definitely. of your act, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Doesn't, you know, because they know, you know, people like John Martin and Loudon Wainwright and those guys, they've looked an audience in the eye, haven't they? Yeah. For ever oh, since they oh, can yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. They don't hide, whereas rock bands hide in yeah. my experience. They hide behind the volume. They yeah. hide behind the equipment. And the lights. And, and the, the lights and everything. Hide. Yeah. They, they sort of don't want to get too close to the audience, no. do they? No, if you've got to go out and it's just you and a guitar, or you know, if it's John Martin and Danny Thompson, and, you've got to you've, you know, got, you've got, to, got to have definite eye contact, yeah. haven't you? So, what have been the great openings that you've seen, Rob? Apart from the ones you've already mentioned. Uh, well, the first gig I ever blagged was the Stone Roses, and uh, at the ICA in about 1988, and uh, five quid that was. Oh, of course, I didn't pay five quid. That's a beauty. You're a cheeky little free one. Cheeky little free one. Thank yeah. you very much. Pinnacle. Yeah, you sold <laughs> ten pounds. That's fine. That's yeah. one for the old, uh, old distribution gag. <laughs> Pinnacle. Right? <laughs> and uh, I got them all. And uh, they, uh, I went along, and they, they, their set was. It was at the ICA in the in the main room of the ICA. Absolutely brilliant. And they were very much on the up. And their intro tape was uh, like Waterfall, which is one of their tracks, was backwards. Oh, they just wow. played it, and, and then they came on. And then started playing it forwards, and then just oh, that's good. Then uh, went for it, and people, you know, hello, roof. that was so roof off crowd. So if they did, so they had to plan that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Because now most groups don't do this. There's, you know, they, ten minutes before they go on, they're not quite sure no, whether no, it's no, ten no. minutes or it's, yeah, or it's fifteen was, uh, before they go on. Yeah. I'll tell you who did that masterfully once. I saw Weather Report, jazz rockers Weather yeah. Report, whose front of house music was Ravel's Bolero, right? Which is, I don't know, was it ten minutes long? It must yeah. be something like that. And it, you know, it's the famous ice skating music, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. knows it, and it builds, dun, 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 and it builds, and it got yeah. right to the top, the final note, bang, lights on, and they went straight into the first number. Fair They'd play. been sitting there <laughs> listening like to yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. he thought that's yeah. a magical yeah. moment. Yeah. You know, if they'd let it drop for a minute. Yeah. They It'd wouldn't have, have had yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the yeah. one that's occurred to me by oh, thinking about this. Use, use, is, it, is it Wake Up by Arcade Fire? What's their name? Oh, oh they probably yeah. vary. Yeah. Uh, they well, use, well I saw them play 20,000 seaters in America, and that was just one of because it's great big tribal spiritual black mass that builds yeah. and builds and builds. And it's such a perfect thing, and you're waiting for some kind of orgasm at the end of it. You too appear in a big blaze of lights. No, it's, it's, it's so much of its timing. Yeah. Just mm. being able to take the audience's mood and actually yeah. carry them along. I'll tell you what, thinking about this, though. Do you know what is the most significant stage announcement in the history of popular music? I developed this theory this morning. The turning point in the history of the Rolling Stones was what? Oh, now you're asking. Uh, Well, the Rolling Stones had some terrible stage announcements. If that's what you're talking about, two of the bad things or the good things? They have had one 
that they largely, have, I think they still, I haven't seen it for ages, but I'm pretty sure that they still use it. It became their brand, cool. and it was made up by Peter Rudge, their tour manager, in when? 1970-something like 73. that. 73. No, yeah. earlier, yeah, I think. Cool. Earlier. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the Rolling Stones. Mm. And it's on Get Your Yah-Yahs. Yeah, it, it yeah. You know, you can hear Peter Rudge saying, everything appears to be ready. Are we ready? Is everybody ready? And, and you know, these voices overlapping but, over each other. And they said, now, can you imagine? Here's my question. What an incredibly... What an incredibly arrogant and yeah. brilliant, brilliant thing yeah, 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 to yeah. do. Yeah. Can you imagine a group in the world it's so yeah. ever having the nerve to do yeah. that ever again? Please and everybody it. just don't, oh yeah, you probably are. If someone yeah. had said, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, slow dive, I probably would have enjoyed the first two <laughs> yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. thinking, yeah. I don't know what, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not getting yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've missed out. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to the records at the wrong speed. I must have been But there are very, I suppose that, going back to your Bob Dylan example, that's kind of why Bob Dylan has done the same thing. Yes, because Dylan being Dylan, he couldn't do it quite so literally. No, but it's still, he still, he says, I'm going to advertise myself. Yeah. What makes me remarkable, I'm how, going to say it. Imagine There's how a, the history of the world would be different if uh, the Beatles were announced, like, the, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the Beatles. We'd be living in a different planet, because it would have, a whole different world would have been constructed. But you see, they weren't the greatest rock and roll band. No, but, imagine, but they could have said they weren't. You see, well, yeah. I wouldn't be, because if I'd seen the Rolling Stones, I would have thought that was a, a bit rich, actually. Yeah. I'll tell you a great introduction. Talk about expectation. What a terrific letdown uh, the net result was, actually, which was at Live Aid in 1985, mm. which was Jack Nicholson's introduction to Bob Dylan, which was one of the most marvellous things. <laughs> and I wish I could remember now what he said. He'd really put some work into it, because everyone else was just drinking vodka and behaving badly. He, he, this is the biggest thrill of his life to be able to introduce Bob mm. Dylan in front of the, basically the entire world. And uh, I can't remember the build-up, but it was all about uh, the voice that changed his life. And he ended with just one word. He said, ladies and gentlemen, the transcendent Bob Dylan. And then he proceeded he, to be transcendentally awful. Yeah, tra- transcendent is a pretty strange use of the word, really. I'm not sure if it's quite the right word. But somehow, just to say the transcendent Bob Dylan was just one of them. Yeah, Dylan, of course, turned in what was, now, um, historically, and can be proved, nine out of ten doctors say it, it was the worst. <laughs> yeah. Scientifically. Scientifically yeah. proven to be the worst performance uh, Ever on record, but there we are. So there we are. Anyway, so uh, that's uh, that's band introductions, yep. opening numbers, and so forth. And uh, if anybody's got anything to contribute to, the, you know, a log that they like to throw on sure the conversational on the conversational fire. Yeah, uh, there we, are millions I'm on, think on the website. Directly well, we might do another one yeah. afterwards. Uh, you know, but the usual details about the magazine and so forth at uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We've been arrested. Good hear that. The sound of Young Islington again. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.